Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. And welcome to America's Heroes Group with our roundtable and our partner, Lieutenant Colonel Jennifer Ruth Green. Battle-proven leadership today is Saturday, February 25th, 2023, February's Black History and American Heart Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Cleveland, the co-host, Army National Guard veteran. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. Our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have a partner on the line, Jennifer Ruth Green. She is a Lieutenant Colonel in the Indiana Air Force National Guard. And she's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy, a combat veteran of Iraqi freedom and founder and CEO of Battle Proven Leadership. And that's what we're going to talk about, Battle Proven Leadership. So tell us about that, Ms. Ruth Green, Lieutenant Colonel, ma'am. <laughs> hey, Sean, it's so good to, to, to be on here with you today. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I appreciate what you and Glenda are doing here. Uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So thank you for having me. But uh, so... I am very excited about leadership. I'm incredibly passionate because I believe that people deserve better. Uh, leaders carry the entire organization. And when a leader takes that onus and is ready and willing to perform up to that standard, then everybody is better. Everybody gets better when leaders get better. And so that's why we founded Battle Proven Leadership. Uh, we want to make sure that people can get the better that they deserve. And so really it starts off with the, the premise of two very easy things. The premise of leadership overall is that nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think that's incredibly important to start off with as a foundational premise because so many times we have people that, and you know as a military member, one of the first things they teach you when you walk into a new shop or a new organization, you sit there for a while and you sit and you learn. You learn the people, you learn the ways, you learn the requirements. And those are all things that are incredibly necessary because before you start having opinions, people need to know why they should care about anything that you have to say. You have positional leadership, which is based on your development, your skill set on your tool set. But then you have personal leadership, which is based on your heart set and your mindset. And so when I think about that fact that nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care, once a leader understands that from the very basics, they'll do a lot better. So and I think that's really that's share, really powerful what you've mentioned yeah, so far. So tell but tell us how do you get to that point? How does that work, ma'am? Yes, so you have to actually care. Mm. <laughs> that's the first step. And uh, I have a couple of thoughts about how we get there, and that's basically what the premise of battle proven leadership is. How do we prove that we care so that we can have the access and influence that's necessary to get things done? And um, how to get there specifically is first by actually caring, and then second by not having a say-do gap. 
And uh, the say-do gap is a gap between what you say and what you do. If you say that you care, but you don't show that you care, then nobody's going to care. And so you have to, to resolve those very clearly, not only in your mind, but in the minds of the people who you are asking to follow you. So your time in the Air Force, being in the military, being a, a, a woman officer, how has that shaped your mindset about leadership? And also tell us how you have overcome some of the struggles and challenges of, of the task ahead of you. Being an officer in the military for civilians may not understand this, but it's very difficult. And that is one of the hardest things to achieve, especially to go up the ranks to a lieutenant colonel rank. That's very, very hard. Like imagine it would be much harder even for a woman and a black woman at that. Well, I find it interesting because I've had solid mentors. While not all of them have looked like me, um, definitely gravitating towards people who are where I want to be. And so if you, if you surround yourself with people and you're the smartest person in the room, you're doing it wrong. And so the opportunity to connect with others who truly do care and who truly want to be transformational, uh, they believe in me, they invest in me, and I just try to give the same back. And so the only requires, requirement to be a leader is to have somebody that's following you. And uh, you could be leading them in a the wrong direction. You could be positionally leading them, but not personally leading them. And uh, as an African-American woman, was it difficult? Well, I think the most difficult part is not, it's being the only person in the room who looks like you. And that's a very real, um, perhaps intimidating factor sometimes. When you think, should I speak up? Or maybe some of the things that you value, you know, uh, just to, you know, think through and not stereotype too much, but generally there aren't a lot of you know opportunities to play golf and so if everybody's sitting around in my line in my life anyway and so sitting around with a lot of people who enjoy it or who spent their childhood doing it or do it for fun or those kinds of things they have a lot more to relate about whereas the things that i'm interested in may not be things that are commonly understood around a room of of people who don't look like me so um definitely you have that fear not fear but that intimidation factor but then once you own the fact that you deserve to be in the room, and that's courtesy of another mentor of mine, once you own the fact that you deserve to be in the room and you're committed to making no one ever doubt that you deserve to be there, uh, the opportunities are ours for the taking. I like this thing you wrote. You, uh, you gave us this. It says, leadership begins when the power of love overcomes the love of power. Explain that a little bit, and then what does that what does that mean to you? Yeah, absolutely. So to me... There are oftentimes people, uh, and it's, I don't think it's, it's uncommon, nor is it wrong per se, to want to grow, to want to grow in your expertise, to want to grow in your influence, to want to earn more opportunities to be able to, to speak and, and share and earn more money. And, and all of those are definitely good reasons, but they fall under the reasons of a love of power. If you decide that you want to change an organization or you want to serve people or you want to make people's lives better, because, again, when leaders get better, everybody gets better. And if you are committed to helping them grow and committed to making the organization grow and it stops becoming about your wants and your needs, then everybody will be better. And that's where leadership begins. When you have this philosophy that I am here to be served, then you're not leading with integrity that's necessary to transform organizations and transform people. But when you go into it with a mind to serve, then you have the capacity to earn the opportunity to create change. Because again, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They're not going to listen to you personally about anything uh, unless they can trust that you actually care and have their best interests at heart. But it's hard to trust that you have 
their best interests at heart if you're consistently worried only about you. And that's what that means to me. The premise of leadership begins when the power of love overcomes the love of power. I think that's well said. How do, what is battle? What is the, the mission of battle proven leadership as far as activities and, and things and strategies to try to get that message out there? Yes. Yeah, so battle proven leadership. We just wanted to be simple. We wanted to do one thing and do it well. So we provide a leadership boot camp, and uh, we find, as I have found in my experience, that we have many people who transition from that doer role to the leader role, and they're a bit lost in how to make that transition. Because oftentimes in companies, you're responsible for making a widget, delivering a widget, selling a widget. And whatever you're responsible for, when someone does that well enough, when they sell, they make, or they do those widgets, whatever, the best, then you promote that person. But it takes different skills to be a leader and leading people who do things than it does to do things. And so we transition those who are the best at doing and say, hey, now lead the doers but there's a lack of training as to how to get people on the right start. So I have the opportunity to lecture uh, and give talks often, and that's another part of Battle Proven Leadership. I get the chance to, to give talks to C-suites. To, uh, I'm a, a CIO by trade. I was a commander of a, a cyber unit, and uh, I have the opportunity to, to work in the cyberspace and the tech space, but, but also generally working with uh, other leaders who just want to be better. And so I give one-off opportunities to just talk through ways to be better. But as we, as we talk about leadership development and practical, tactical tools for leadership, we just offer a four-hour class to first-level leaders. And honestly, to be truthful, the concepts are the same, but we just want to get you early. Because when I have the, the Q&A roundtables, when I'm working with C-suite leaders, the questions they're asking are questions that could have been solved or could have been developed, you know, way sooner uh, in their career, if they would have developed themselves and developed simple steps to be practical leaders. And so that's what we provide. We provide, provide tactical leadership for first-time leaders to get them set up on the right foot. I think that's really important because it seems like leadership is something that is a miss in today's society. I mean, when you look at it from everywhere from politics down to even corporate leadership, there seems to be um, something lacking in the, the A, for people to step up to want to become leaders, and then B, the knowledge, the knowledge or the acumen of leaders that are in place to really lead a company forward or lead an organization forward. How do you see that? Do you agree with that? And first off, and then second off, um, what are what do you think will happen? What's our projection over the next five, ten years in this? If we keep on this track, I wholeheartedly agree with your assessment. You know, we talk about World War II. We talk about the fact that they're the greatest generation ever, and the reason they're the greatest generation is because they have this grit, this tenacity, this willingness to say whatever it takes, we're all in. And we look at World War II and the sacrifices that people made personally and professionally. I mean, we had, in order to run the type of war that we needed to run, we needed four things. We needed manpower, media, materials, and money. And so they were cranking planes, uh, new planes, off of the, you know, rolls, so quickly. People were sacrificing and only getting gas on certain days. People were sacrificing and taking their aluminum and putting it into the war effort. And women went into, you know, fabrication shops or they went into factories because men were required to go overseas. And of course, there were some women that were serving in the military as well. Uh, great sacrifices on both ends. But we just had civilians that were working in different capacities because they had to be all in for the war effort. Let's do it for the people abroad. Those are the things that you heard. And so, 
I believe the grit of our grandfathers is what's missing today. We don't have people that are willing to stand up and say, whatever it takes, I'm going to. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to learn the most. I'm going to, you know, and so we have people that are like, what can I get out of whatever it is I'm doing? And that mindset is what's tripping us up. And so when you talk about the long-term impacts of that, actually, I just wrote an op-ed on that, and and that's interesting that you asked. But we have uh, two things that are are will are a result of that. One is a lack of accountability. When people are so self-focused, then everybody else is expected to respond and, and respond to what they want and what they need. Because I is the focus. I, whatever I want, whatever I need. I know that sounds improper grammarly, uh, grammatically speaking, I is the focus, but the individual is the focus. Mm -hmm. So you lack the ability to be accountable because it's whatever I want, whatever I feel, whatever I need. So long-term accountability, people aren't thinking uh, about accountability, but also they neglect the long-term because if I have no accountability today, I'll have no accountability tomorrow, and I'm certainly not thinking about what impact my decisions have on the future. So we have a lack of, of leaders and a lack of people who are thinking outside of themselves and people who are focused on the future because they don't have to. Everything can be what I want instantaneously. And so a leader only has three roles. And when I, I think when we break it down that way, it makes things a lot simpler. You know, leaders simply have to eliminate distractions. They cannot be the distraction. And that involves knowing yourself. And we talk about some of those elements. We will talk about them hopefully next month. But a leader has to develop other leaders and leaders must fight for their people. Those are the only three, in my opinion, the top three, if you would say, responsibilities a leader has. And so when we talk about people that are afraid to step up into leadership um, or maybe intimidated by it, don't be intimidated by it. There are only three things you have to do. Eliminate distractions, develop other leaders, and fight for your people. And if you can do those things with those foundational premises that we talked about, helping people to understand that you care, and being outside of yourself to care enough about other people to work on their behalf, you could be a leader. And so the thing that I like about training and teaching is the fact that leadership is universal. You can be an operating operations officer in a Levi factory the same way that you could be an operations officer in an IT company. You may not have all the skill sets and tool sets of the individual person that's making, building, doing the widgets or attacking you know, the problem per se, but if you can lead people to attack the problem and empower them to be the best that they can be at whatever it is that they've been tasked to do, you can lead and you can do it well. I think so that's I'm well said. Of that, and I'm excited. I think that's very well said. You mentioned about fear. I think fear, a, lot of, a lot of times people are put into leadership roles that they weren't anticipating to be in. So once they're in that role, there is a fear that comes over them. Can I, can I do this? Am I really cut out to do this? Why do they pick me to do this? What would you say to a person in that situation? You mentioned the three tenets of making sure that you're not a distraction, making sure that you bring up other leaders. You know, what would you what would you tell the person who's in that role right now? Well, first of all, I would love to have a conversation with their supervisor because rule number one, leaders or role number one, leaders must eliminate distraction, right? And the distraction for that person is, I am not equipped, nor do I want to do this job. And are there opportunities at your company to put, first of all, the onus is on the leader to put the right person on the right bus in the right seat. And so if you have somebody that was really good at doing something and you promoted them, the onus is on you as the leader, the supervisor, to create that environment, to create the place where people can grow. And if someone's a good doer, maybe you should have a track or maybe you should pay them more and say, hey, if you produce widgets of 
XYZ per hour, then you get paid more. Um, and so if you put someone in the wrong spot and they don't want to be there, they're the distraction for the people who work below them. They're a distraction for the people who work above them. As a matter of fact, just last week, I was at a, a CIO meeting and we were, we were talking about some of these issues and someone said, I have this guy, he was a great performer. He did really well when he was, you know, working on ones and zeros and we promoted him and now he's just not happy and he's not doing well. How do I motivate him? And I just simply said, you don't have to motivate him. You have to put him where he belongs. And if he doesn't want to be there and he's telling you that, it's your job to respond. But you should have had that in feedback many months prior. Hey, what do you want to do? How can I reward you for your solid performance? Maybe all he wanted was a bonus. Maybe he wanted three days off. But instead, you put him in a position where now he's less valuable in his mind to the company. And now you have to deal with the problems, quote unquote, that result from the distraction that is him and being in that spot. So I would tell the supervisor, hey, where does he belong and where is he best served? He's not happy and you're not happy and the people below him aren't happy. And as the leader of the organization, as the person who has the power to put people in slots, it's your fault if there is fault to be had. And so as leaders, you have to own your environment. You have to own your responsibility. And so I've, I've mapped out these things to kind of talk through them and how these three roles should be implemented in everyday practice. And that's what we do. We just take four hours with people and we say, hey, these are the roles of a leader. Let me explain to you what I believe they are. Let me talk to you a little bit about handling discipline. Let me talk to you about how you should conduct yourself and the different pieces of onus that you must think through. And uh, let me tell you the scope of your leadership. Uh, you have to make sure that you keep everybody in the same lane so that they can do only what they are called to do. You are called to lead. You are not called to make widgets. And if you're busy telling people how to make better widgets, then you are not leading them because you need to be eliminating distractions. And right now you are the distraction. So many things to think through. I know it's like kind of a hodgepodge, but if, if, if nobody hears anything else today, I would just say foundationally prem the premise of leadership. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And leadership begins when the power of love overcomes the love of power. If you can start there and look outside of yourself, you can be a leader. The only three roles and responsibilities of a leader, eliminate distractions, develop other leaders, fight for your people. And we, we at Battle Proven Leadership talk about how to do all those things. I think that I think you're very clear and very concise about how what the what the message is and what the mission is with your with your organization because battle proven leadership to me seems like it is it is addressing very important roles and uh, that it's, that C suite people need to have but also people in in everyday life I think that's also critical to point out because in communities and little churches and our businesses and our organizations or not for profits leadership is so critical. Um, so if, if a person, you mentioned one thing, discipline, um, how do you develop discipline and how important is discipline in a leadership role? You know, I would, I would honestly turn that right back around. You know, when we, we serve in the military and the responsibility of our words could cost people everything up to including their life. And when you take on that responsibility and you recognize that that's what people are going to ask you're going to ask of people, it demands something different than just showing up for work every day. You have to be disciplined to understand your heart set, your mindset, your tool set, your skill set. You have to be fully developed and well-rounded. And being disciplined and saying leadership is an art, is a craft, is something that I need to learn and grow in, that's important. Discipline 
uh, is fundamental to making sure that you can do the next right thing that comes along. And you take discipline seriously when you realize the gravity of your responsibility. And so as a leader, people are going to follow you. If you're not disciplined and you slip up, they're going to follow you off into the cliff that you're going to fall off into. They're going to follow you to enemy combat when they're not ready to fight or when they're not supposed to be there or when you're not prepared to lead them. That is the gravity of the implication of the leadership that we're responsible for. And if you are not disciplined, and I don't mean just making your bed, that's one step, doing the next right thing that comes along. If you're not disciplined in preparing yourself to take care of other people, you will lead people into traps and impact their lives and their livelihood. And that's a foul on you. I really appreciate this, this conversation. It was a great conversation. You gave us a lot of information, a lot of useful information that can be helpful in life, everyday life, which I really appreciate. I can see that why you're a leader, ma'am, and I appreciate your time. This is America's Heroes Thank Group. Jennifer for- Ruth Green is with us today. She's a lieutenant colonel of the Indiana, Indiana Air Force National Guard, and she is fantastic. Thanks for your time. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.